Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We have Molly back with us. Hi! First time on Goblet of Fire, so this will be really awesome. I can't wait for this discussion, especially because we're doing Back to the Burrow. Yes! She's literally wearing the Burrow sweatshirt that she has. I'm kind of in love with the Burrow. Yep. Uh, we figured that these, uh, she'll be on the next chapter as well, but these next two chapters feature the Weasleys pretty hard, so yes. Molly is the perfect person to have on. Uh, so, <laughs> unfortunately, back to the burrow is, A, not really back to the burrow exactly. Mm. No, not really. But, uh, we do get some Weasleys in it. Ugh, love them. Essentially, Harry is sitting here waiting with the Dursleys for the arrival of the Weasleys. He doesn't know how or it's supposed to be five o'clock, but who knows how that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Vernon and Petunia and Dudley are quite anxious about the arrival uh, for a variety of reasons, which is why I mentioned on, on one of the previous podcasts, like, why did they volunteer to have them come to the house? Yeah. Why not just meet them somewhere randomly? But right. yeah, whatever, I digress. Anyway. I, I guess that's like a no-win situation, though. It's trouble, yeah. It, like, they're either seen in public with them, or, like, they come over to their house and all their neighbors are... I would have just dropped Harry off in London and been right. like, see you later. Right. <laughs> like, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they're sitting there waiting, and then all of a sudden, bombastically, the Weasleys arrive. And chaos ensues, awkwardness ensues, and that's essentially really the chapter in a nutshell. Right. Yeah. But... Uh, I just wanted to point out, Dudley specifically, I kind of feel bad for him a little bit here in this chapter, because he spends the entire time, Vernon is just angry and seething, Petunia is just nervous, Dudley has some, like, real PTSD about wizards visiting, (laughs) and it's supposed to be comical in the book, but him just, like covering up his butt the entire time (laughs) because last time he met an adult wizard he got a tail put on him yeah which they mentioned was taken off at the hospital yeah i have all kinds of questions about that oh so many questions like are there magical protections that make it very difficult for a surgeon to do that or is it literally just a very simple (laughs) like just scalpel and cut off well do you do you think he still has some of the tail attached do you think he has a nub? Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> we, we, can, uh, we can assume Dudley has a nub tail. That's well, fine. I want to know, too, like, what like what was the muggle doctor thinking? Like, was the, like, the muggle doctor had to have been like, how does this kid have a pigtail on his bottom? Yeah, this seems awfully awkward. Like, how did this actually happen? Yeah, totally. Is this just some, like, random deformity, or... Right. How did this happen? <laughs> right. Or and did... then, how did they now notice it? <laughs> right. like... Why wasn't this done at childbirth? I'm right. not sure. I feel like they missed the, the boat here. <laughs> right. But yeah, I feel a little bit 
bad for Dudley. Uh, also, his diet, I don't know. For those that don't know, Molly's very into health and wellness. Obviously, she works in a healthcare profession. Yes. What are your thoughts on this diet that they have Dudley on? Oh, it's absolutely terrible. Like, it's so bad. They mentioned he got a quarter of uh, grapefruit. Yeah. Last or like when they were having uh, breakfast or whatever. Yeah. Now it's cottage cheese and celery. It's so bad for you. Like, there's no nutritional value to that. No. None. It's like those, like, you know, old 90s diets that you'd hear. Like, a, like I used to be a personal trainer. I've heard uh, quite a few interesting diets, and uh, this was uh, definitely up there with them. I, and it. Supposedly, this was advised by the school nurse. I get a grapefruit for breakfast, <laughs> but he got a quarter of a grapefruit, not even a full grapefruit. <laughs> yeah. And then I would, I, I'm sorry, I would just, I dislike cottage cheese. And why is peanut butter? Like, you can have peanut butter and celery, then you get protein, right. you get a little, like, bulk with it instead of just yeah. cottage cheese. Oh, man. It, it's sad, like... I really do. I kind of feel bad for Dudley. I would revolt. Yeah. And I know he's revolted about not getting enough presents before. Right. And such, but I feel like this is justified because this, yeah. this ain't right. Right. Uh, so that jumped out to me in this one. Yeah. One of the other big points that I took from this chapter is the Weasleys just so dramatically misunderstand the Dursleys. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't have a clue. None. Which is partially Harry's fault for not, like, filling them in, and partially Ron's fault for not being like, hey, they're they're awful. And I'm sure Arthur probably hears some of this, and he's like, you kids are just being rude or obnoxious or whatever. They're not right. that bad. Right. And then I feel like they should have communicated about the whole flu powder thing. Oh, 100% this was a miscommunication. Like, a classic miscommunication on all, everybody's end. But I will say this. It uh, It is kind of a testament to, you know, Arthur's character and his, like, acceptance of muggles, right? Because mm -hmm. he just has that, like, Atticus Finch attitude, like, you know... Like, oh no, it's fine. Like, I'm sure they're not as bad as you as they as you think that they are. Mm -hmm. So I, I do love that about Arthur in this chapter. I think Arthur really show, <laughs> showcases what he's about. I agree with right. you 100. percent Like, right. he's so patient. Yeah. And and you see a little bit of that. You see a little bit of the father in him. You see a yeah. little bit of the. Uh, I guess, adult in the room, because Vernon and Petunia are very much not the adults in the room. No. They are short-tempered, they're quick to judge, mm -hmm. uh, they're seething this entire time, waiting for this shoe to drop, right. and uh, granted, Arthur does not make a great first impression. No. I, I will give the Dursleys that much. <laughs> Blowing up their front room is not exactly the greatest way to introduce yourself. No. Um, also, just random voices coming from inside the wall, also not great. Right. Uh, that would freak out the Dursleys, justifiably. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Harry's amused, mm -hmm. because he doesn't have to deal with any of this. Right. <laughs> the Dursleys <laughs> or Arthur that have to deal with this, and he can just enjoy the calamity. Yeah. But the, the miscalculation by, you know, Mrs. Weasley and the invitation, although she... 
did a great job with the invitation. Yeah. Uh, and then Arthur really should have touched base with Harry and been like, hey, is flu powder an acceptable way? Would there be any reasons why this wouldn't work? Yeah. Uh, I give Arthur the credit of at least going through the ministry and getting a muggle-approved flu network uh, connection, which we can talk about. I have a whole thing on the Food Network, which we can talk about later in the spoiler section, but... Yeah. Not to mention you're also coming through flames. Like, when they finally yeah. figure this thing out, you have people walking through these green flames. Yeah. It... I'm trying to put myself in the Dursley, like, mindset. This would be horrifying, oh, right? absolutely. No, I mean, like, even if you were prepared for it, right? Yeah. Even if somebody sat down and was like, all right, people are going to be coming out of the fireplace through flames and survive. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just want to prepare you for this. I feel like you'd still see it and be like, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. crazy. So, And yeah. poor Dudley just runs right up against the wall and, <laughs> and just tries to protect himself so, so much. Yes. A couple of things to pull out from that the flu powder thing is obviously there's a flu regulation panel. Obviously there is. Oh, yeah. Because, of course. Right. And no muggle... Uh, fireplaces are ever connected because of the statute of secrecy. That can't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you say the wrong thing uh, and you end up somewhere else. Can you imagine just saying the wrong address and showing up in the fire at like some random muggle's place? <laughs> like, be like, what? That would be a fire that you'd have to put out. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, um, Anyway, so they have this back and forth. The twins go and get Harry's luggage and school stuff from his room. Arthur, bless him, tries his best to make conversation with the Dursleys. Does not go well. Yeah. And the real thing, uh, you mentioned Arthur and, and his character. When Harry's like, bye, <laughs> and then just walks out, and they don't say anything, he stops Harry and is like, your, your nephew just said bye to you. Right. He might not see you for many, many months. Right. Are you not going to say goodbye? Yeah. And then, you know, he's an adult wizard with a wand. So now Vernon feels threatened to say goodbye. <laughs> and it's this, I, I think that shows Arthur's character a lot. It shows a little bit of the fatherly side to him. Mm -hmm. uh, the family man that he is of yeah. like, you know, no, you're seeing a loved one leave. You should like. Yeah. I think, too, in that moment, Arthur kind of sees the Dursleys for who they are, too. Mm -hmm. You know? Ron and the twins seem to grasp how bad the Dursleys are very quickly. Yeah, right. Uh, Ron, because he's Ron, does a terrible job of probably, like, actually communicating this. The twins, I feel like, would do a good job yeah. if given the chance and not, like... Uh, the twins have an interesting dynamic themselves. Yes. Which also shows <laughs> their character shows a little bit in this chapter uh, when Fred drops a lovely colored toffee on the ground. Um, to I, I just gotta I love the whole setup here. So yeah. clearly Harry has been, as we've seen, telling everybody that Dudley's on a diet, please send me food. So the twins know this. And they plan for this. And they, quote-unquote, accidentally drop a toffee mm -hmm. in Dudley's vicinity. Yeah. And then just walk away. They just totally, like, nonchalant, walk away through the flames and out. Yeah. And naturally, before Harry leaves, 
Dudley eats the toffee, and this purple, long, protruding thing comes out of Dudley's mouth and, like, essentially disables him in many, like, just completely renders him uh, speechless, immobile, <laughs> and it's continuing to grow. Yeah. Dursley's freak out. But the idea that the twins got this information, planned this out as well as they did, <laughs> and just totally nonchalantly walked it off. You're, yeah. And then, obviously, Arthur's like, I know it's, I know it's you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, who else could have possibly done this? Like, right. I'm sorry, it's my kid, it's probably just an engorgement charm, I could fix this really easily, just let me fix it. Yeah. It, it's an interesting dynamic between Arthur and the twins. Yeah. Is my long-winded point. Yes. No, I love it, though. Like, the whole, like, that whole, the whole chapter is just, like, chaos. Yeah. It's Weasley chaos, and I love it. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like this is mostly Arthur's life. Like, he is so used to cleaning up the twins' messes. Right. And he's just like, okay, the boys did it again. <laughs> yeah. I know what they probably did. Yeah. I'll fix it. Uh, and then apparently it was a pretty aggressive... Um, it was a pretty aggressive spell by the time he was finally allowed to actually help. The twins are powerful. You know, like... They're, uh, they got some magic, magical skills going for him, for sure. Yeah, we see a little bit how this plays out in the next chapter, which yeah. is a very, very interesting dynamic. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just loved how you get to see a little bit more of Arthur and the twins interacting with yeah. the Dursleys. Two worlds colliding, quite right. literally. Right. I think, you know, one thing, too, why I love the Weasleys so much is, um... My dad came from a pretty large family. He was one of nine. Mm -hmm. And um, all my aunts and uncles, they had like two to five kids. So pretty large family. And when you witness large families all get together, it is just mass chaos like this. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I, it's just the Weasleys are great. So... It's a fun family dynamic, even yeah. if it stresses out Arthur to, <laughs> right. to, to, to an epic level. Yeah. But once again, yeah. Dudley gets picked on. Yes. And he's uh, the butt of everyone's joke. Oh. Yep. Wow, yes. I'm pulling out the cheesy, the cheesy joke today. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he gets picked on again. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I just kind of feel bad for Dudley. I do too. That's essentially the chapter. Yeah. Do you have anything else for the non-spoiler part? Not really. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty brief chapter. Not a whole lot goes on other than the Weasleys blowing up the front room of the Dursleys. I yeah. mean, that is literally it. And then dropping the toffee. Yeah. Uh, but in the spoiler section, um, we'll talk a little bit more about Dudley getting roughed up by the Wizarding World. <laughs> um, and then I'll have some, some talks on the Flu Network, some Wizard Tech, and Privet Drive. Since we've spent a whole bunch of time in Privet Drive at we the beginning did. of this book. So. Yeah. Uh, we will be right back with spoilers. I will try not to kill Molly. Kill the stab! Alright, so we're back with the spoiler section. I have not killed Molly. Still alive. Still there. And uh, we talked a little bit about Dudley getting roughed up by the wizarding world in the non-spoiler. And so we've seen Hagrid give him the pigtail. We've now seen Fred give him the ton-tongue toffee. Mm -hmm. And it's not the end of it, because we still get in book five him getting attacked by Dementors in an alley. 
Yeah, he's really been roughed up by the uh, wizarding he world. He gets put through it. Yeah. And, you know, Elizabeth's talked about these moments kind of progressing towards Dudley maybe having a change of heart down the road. But, man, this is a lot for him. <laughs> this is a lot of PTSD that he's going to have. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it a lot before on the podcast, but uh, a lot of reasons for therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy is... Uh... Always seems to be the answer and never provided. No, no. Yeah. Uh, nor would the Dursleys, I think, I don't think they would think of it as a appropriate... Oh, no way. ...outlet. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, you're admitting that something's not perfectly fine? Yeah. It's like, well, what would possibly be perfectly fine about all of this happening to your son? It's like, none of this is normal. <laughs> right. Uh, but they don't want to know that. Yeah. They don't want anybody to know that. So. Right. I don't know. More more reasons for wizard therapists to be a thing. <laughs> Throwing in Lupin for that job. I was going to say, Lupin has clearly missed his calling. Anyway. Yes. Although he's a great teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I do have a couple of little deep dives here, since this was a fairly thin chapter. Privet Drive. We've spent a lot of time on Privet Drive in this book. Way more than we have the last two. And... There's actually kind of a background of the whole naming of the drive, the number that is even given to the address, and um, kind of JK having a little story behind it. The name of the street is actually a reference to the most suburban plant. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's the privet bush. So, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes neat hedges around many English gardens. Okay. So that, that's why she named it Privet Drive. Uh, the reason why she gave uh, the address as number four Privet Drive is because the number four, and this is a, a one thing that I very much, among many things that I disagree with JK on, she hates the number four. Really? Yep. She has a whole thing about the number four. I have never been fond of the number four, uh, which has always struck me as a rather hard and unforgiving number, which is why I slept it on the Tursley's front door. <laughs> I just found like that so random. Yeah. I, I'm like trying to think like, like, do you have a number that like you don't like? Like, I didn't know numbers could be unlikable. I didn't know that either. My favorite number is 44. So this, we're just complete oh, odds. Oh, man. Complete odds. It's my jersey number from back in the day when I was oh, once athletic. Yeah. So yeah. we're just at complete odds on that. Yeah. I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah. But anywho. Anyway, she says um, that she first became conscious of the Dursley's house being reminiscent of her own childhood home uh, when she walked onto the set. Nice. And Privet Drive was already set up. And it's at the Levston Studios in London, and I've seen the Dursley house in Privet. I haven't been in it, mm -hmm. but I've seen the outside. It's actually cool. They have it. They have it set up next to the Potter house. Oh, that's so cool. With uh, just a hole blown in the, the ah, rooftop. Yeah. And then right outside both of those, they have the, the bridge. Mm -hmm. The Hogwarts bridge, which is trippy to walk on because it's all crooked. Oh, I bet. Um, but anyway, so they have it there. But the first time she walked onto that set and walked into the Dursley house, she's like, oh my gosh, this is my childhood home. Yeah. And she hadn't spoken to the set designers, the director, anything like that. Wild. And she's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I like subconsciously just kind of 
made this house and they kind of knew it and now I'm seeing it and it was a very overwhelming experience for her. That's super cool. That it was almost an exact, she used the words, an exact replica of her old house. That's so Down cool. to the position of the cupboard under the stairs and the precise location of each room. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. If anyone gets a chance and goes to London, I highly recommend going to Lepson Studios out there. Um, I did it through a Warner Brothers uh, tour, which was... I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, some of you might be tuning in for the first time. Yeah. But on this double-decker bus tour, we had a tour guide who was maybe 20 years old from Venice, Italy. Okay. And barely spoke English well. Mm-hmm. He did, but barely. And he knew nothing of London. Like, nothing. So as we're going through this... Um, as we're going through this tour, he's pointing out like famous landmarks and such. Like there's a statue of the Duke of Wellington Mm -hmm. and he's like, this is a statue of the Duke of Wellington. He was important. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, downfall of Napoleon in that kind of important. Um, (laughs) things like that. We'd be going down Abbey Road and he'd be like, Abbey Road. Where a famous band called The Beatles used to record. I've never personally listened to The Beatles. Oh my gosh. I know. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, <laughs> how? How has anyone never heard a Beatles song? Wow. They're everywhere. And he's like, but I do have a lot of One Direction on my iPad. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> please just stop talking. Oh no. So one of the other uh, people on the bus just, again, are annoyed by this. So they're like, we're on a Harry Potter tour. Have you ever read the Harry Potter books? And he's like, no, I've never read the Harry Potter books. I'm like, how did you get this job? <laughs> and then someone else very kind was like, well, have you at least watched the movies? Mm-hmm. I mean, we are going to the studios tour, so movies are relevant here. Yeah. And he goes, well, I've watched the first one and I fell asleep halfway through the second one. And we're just like, oh, no. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah. But on the plus side, he was very kind in giving uh, the of age, because there were everybody. There was, like, little kids and elderly on Mm -hmm. this tour. But he gave those in the know the best uh, club tips for London that night. So, thank you for that. Yeah. But the studio tour is great. It, It begins with the, you know, the Golden Trio. They're talking to you on a big screen. Then the screen goes up. And it's two big doors, and the doors open, and it's Great Hall. Oh and you my walk gosh. into the Great Hall, and it's super cool. It's Ugh. super, super cool. Um, so if if you're in London and you get a chance to do it, do it. Ugh. Go do it. That sounds so cool. So jealous. Um, so yeah, I tell that story to everybody. To my friends listening to this podcast, I am sorry, but hopefully everyone else enjoyed it. <laughs> Anywho. So obviously, uh, we get into the flu network a little bit here. And Arthur tries his best. He does. Um, but some background on the flu network. We, we talked a little bit about it. Obviously, it's an easy way for wizards to, witches and wizards to kind of get around that's not uh, tracked. Like broomsticks or um, uh, even apparition is tracked. So really, it's just another way for them to kind of move freely mm-hmm. without muggles seeing them. Yeah. But the interesting thing, she provides like a whole little backstory 
on the dangers of the flu network. <laughs> Essentially, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, um, but an accidental misdirection happened in 1855 where this witch, Violet Tillyman, leapt into the living room fire, um, wanted to go to her mother's house, ended up at another man's house. Oh. <laughs> and they end up falling in love. Oh, and no. she never returns. Uh, she was married. Uh, the husband that she had did not seem great. Hmm. Uh, didn't even really notice that she hadn't come back until... Molly, you're going to love this. <laughs> so so will all of the other ladies that guest on this podcast. Oh, boy. Uh, <clears throat> several weeks later, after she had gone through the flu powder and not returned, mm -hmm. several weeks later, with no clean pots in the house and his socks in urgent need of washing, her husband, Albert, decided that it was time she came home. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Uh, good for her. Good for her. Good uh, for her. For leaving uh, dear old friend Albert. <laughs> the reason it's flu powder comes from the word flu, F-L-U-E. Flu powder is F-L-O-O. Uh, she comes from the word F-L-U-E, which you can find on a chimney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that comes from. Yeah. So that's flu powder, I guess. Yeah. She just needed a way uh, for... <laughs> She goes on to say that she kind of screwed herself over with the statute of secrecy. She's like, great, now these young wizards that I'm writing about can't go anywhere. Uh, so she realized that and came up with flu powder as a way around that. Okay. So that was essentially what she came up with flu powder for. Yeah. Which leads me to the next deep dive that I have. <laughs> I'm loving these deep dives. Yeah, I mean, they're not really deep dives. I'm just kind of glossing over. But um, wizard tech. Molly, I don't know if you've ever, like, wondered the wizarding world, like Hogwarts, mm -hmm. and how they live. Yeah. This takes place in 1990. Right. Like, we have, they have internet mm -hmm. and, you know, cars and all kinds of different things that it seems to be completely discarded in the wizarding world, yeah? I mean, they're still using quills. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, obviously, wizards have ways to communicate and ways to get around and all these different things cleaning all the like they don't need a washer or dryer because they can just magically do it right so they don't need modern technology as much as uh muggles would but that being said um she gets into like a whole thing uh, this is all from the wizarding world by the way all from mm -hmm. the wizarding world she gets into this whole thing about muggle television and how the ministry of magic wanted to do a their own television channel <laughs> And, you know, wizarding radio, which you get a little bit of with Molly listening to Celestina Warbeck on the radio. Yes. Apparently the ministry at some point conceded that muggles frequently catch snippets of advice on how to prune a venomous tentacula, how to remove gnomes from cabbage bed. Yeah. But argued that radio listening muggles uh, seem altogether more tolerant, gullible, less convinced of their own good sense. Hmm. So I guess a wizard did his research and actually researched this, which is why you would take muggle studies. Right. So if you're wondering why you would take muggle studies, this is why research right. on the secrecy thing. Right. But he determined that muggles would more readily dismiss something that they heard mm -hmm. versus like them seeing it. Hmm. So you could always be like, oh, yeah, I totally misheard that. That wasn't what they said. Versus, like, am I hallucinating right now? Like, did yeah. that really happen? Right. Like, it's much more easier to dismiss, like, oh, I just misheard that. Yeah, yeah. 
than seeing something surreal and being like, oh my gosh. Right. Well, I wonder too, it's just like, they have magic. Like, technology or TV, like, I'm sure that's not very entertaining when you have magic to do things with. And Molly just mic dropped. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's, that's very true. You can have a world of entertainment available to you I at mean. any given point. Yeah, why would you sit there and play video games when you can, like, right. make a pot dance across the room or something? I, I don't mean. know. Like, <laughs> or, as we've discussed before, just go outside and boot some gnomes over the fence, you know? Uh, yes. Anyway, that's three <laughs> rapid little quick deep dives that I have given. In my research, I also came across a massive, we will not get into it on this episode, but because it's massive. It's so cool, though. Yeah, I came across uh, the 2014 Quidditch World Cup, and there's so much in there that's fascinating, and it's like its own little mini story. So yeah, maybe when we get around the Quidditch World Cup chapters, I'll I'll break into it, but it's it's super cool. Yeah. But anyway, there's still like a paragraph here or there. Yeah. Like... That's recap still right i'm like why yeah and i will say too like a lot of my friends that like never like quote got into harry potter a lot of them are like yeah you know i read up to the fourth book and the first chapter was great but then it was really hard for me to get into the rest of the book Mm -hmm. and like goblet of fire is so good it gets so good Mm -hmm. you know like you just got to get through those those tough couple chapters i never thought i'd really like just glaze over through a chapter but chapter two was that for me i just started glazing over i'm like i don't want to read this because it's not there's no point for me to read it yeah anywho yeah anyway so that was chapter four uh (laughs) back to the burrow and uh, Molly will be back with us for chapter five. Where we are actually back at the burrow. Yes, where we actually take place <laughs> at the burrow. Yes. It's amazing. A lot going on in that chapter. Yes. So it'll be a fun one to discuss. So come back with us next week and we'll have chapter five. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. I got that on one take. Woo! Woo! Um, we'll see if that happens next week. So <laughs> thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts, a podcast.